We grace you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. You know, <clears throat> I've always been a, a sucker for uh, special effects in movies and, and TV shows. It's uh, from uh, seeing Star Wars, late 70s, mid 70s. Uh, uh, that, that just took special effects to a whole new level. Um, getting to see Superman fly, uh, you know, and uh, make it look so effortlessly, not at all like George Reeves and the black and white uh, version of Superman. And then, uh, you know, around the 2000s to be taken into the magical world of Harry Potter. And it was kind of hard to remember that those things weren't really happening. Ah, yeah, I mean, the special effects can just be jaw-dropping. So it's not surprising that the, that's what draws me uh, whenever I read the story of the transfiguration. And especially the way Mark tells it. It's like he tells it in a way that we're supposed to be awed uh, by the special effects. I mean, Jesus' clothes become dazzling white. Um, the appearance of Moses and Elijah, uh, you know, who technically were red-shirted. Uh, the, they never died in the Old Testament. They just were put on reserve. And um, the cloud that overshadows the disciple with its voice that sounds like it's coming from everywhere at once. You know, when we think of the transfiguration story, that's the part of it that we remember. At least I do. The special effects. Now, if you take away all the special effects, which certainly stunned and amazed the disciples, then the story really becomes just about one thing. The Father giving Jesus help when he needed it the most. Let me explain. I think it's really easy for all of us to think of Jesus only as being divine. Which, you know, we think that, of course, he knew all the answers. He knew everything that was going to happen. But I want us to remember that Jesus is very much human. With all the limitations of being human, with getting tired and exhausted like a human. And it also means that Jesus could never predict the future... Humans can't do that. He had to trust the Father and uh, about what the future was going to hold. And it also meant that he could not escape pain because humans feel pain, and sometimes a lot of it. And Jesus was human. So he had to figure out the story as he went along, starting with the, the temptation in the wilderness Jesus had to gradually discern the shape of his ministry, what it was going to look like, what he was going to accomplish, or to put it more precisely, he had to discern the shape of God's will for him in his ministry. And once he, he started to understand that and, and discern it, it had to be very hard for him to stay the course because there were many, many others around him who wanted, were trying hard to shape his ministry in their direction so that it could be what they wanted it to be. And just last week, it had, uh, in the stories last week, this was actually six days before this story, in his discerning, it had become distressingly clear to Jesus that being obedient to the Father and to the Father's will 
meant for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer a crushing defeat at the hands of the very people he came to save. And it was six days earlier from this uh, transfiguration that he had shared his discernment with his disciples. And we know how, all, how well that all turned out. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, I don't know where you took a wrong turn, but you've got this backwards, Jesus. There is no way in heaven that you're supposed to do that. And you have to admit that Peter had a good argument how, in heaven's name, would going to Jerusalem, being handed over to his enemies and put, being put to death, help anybody? It would just eliminate Jesus from the picture. On top of that, it was going to bring and mean require unfathomable human suffering. If I were Jesus, I would definitely need some extra reassurance that I had indeed accurately discerned the Father's will before I committed to the path of going to Jerusalem. And that's what I think this story is about. When you strip away all the special effects, there you see the Father who loved the Son, providing help for him by arranging, arranging a little conference meeting with Moses and Elijah there on the, the doorstep of heaven. The law and the prophets combining forces to encourage him, to confer blessing upon him to this one who would fulfill everything they had prophesied would come. But there, I think it was their words that gave Jesus the gift he needed to go ahead and go to Jerusalem. So, Let's you and I enter into the story by, by wrestling for ourselves with the very thing that Jesus was wrestling with, the very thing that his disciples were struggling and to wrestle with, namely, that in the kingdom of heaven, you win by losing. You know, that's what picking up the cross is all about. It's about losing. And it's always been the hard part of being a Christian. Hey, we want to win by winning. Winning feels good. Uh, we want to have victory over the world in whatever fashion we can. And down through the last two millennium, the, churches has, the church has tried more than once uh, to win by winning. That we have eagerly taken on the reins of political power kind of become the, the big shot in town, convinced we were doing a godly thing as we ushered in God's kingdom with this newfound power we had. But time and time again, the church has ultimately used power to impose our human will upon others. Calling it God's will, uh, you know, saying this is what God wants, wants us to fashion the world in this way, but when we've done so, we have brought death and suffering and harm to many. And that kind of talk has surfaced again amongst some American churches about what a world we could shape if we just had the reins of, of power again. 
And I'm wary of it and skeptical because I know my history. And I know what the church has done with its power in the past whenever we try to win by winning. Because you think the church is a different kind of creation. And the church does a much better job of ushering in the kingdom of God when we take up our cross and follow Jesus. When we win by losing. When we shed our desire for power to control others the way we see fit. And we instead yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit to lead us wherever there are folks who need a savior right here, right now. For example, down through the centuries, we have done a better job of being the church when we have made health care available by building hospitals and providing care for those who couldn't afford it. Do you know the church has been doing that for over a thousand years? Uh, bringing health care, the, the first ones to bring health care into places where it never existed before. We have uh, done a better job at being the church when we have built schools and educated uh, folks so that they could have a better chance at a better life. We've done a better job of being the church whenever we have rolled up our sleeves and just became a neighbor to those who had no one. We do a better job of, of being the church when we do those kinds of things than when in, instead of when we try to claim the halls of power for ourselves. The church, we win by losing. As long as we claim to be winners, winners that have the right to call the shots, the right to be in the kingdom of God because of, of all the good we have done, the one thing we have not won yet is that experience of God's grace. And it's why in this place we start every worship service with a time of confession and forgiveness. And that confession is not only laying our sins before God, but it's actually also a time of laying all our claims of goodness and greatness and worthiness at the feet of Jesus. And instead confessing that we have not loved God with all our heart and soul and mind, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. We win by losing when we admit that we are as much in need of a Savior today, right now, as we were when we first started our walk with Jesus. And if you're 65 or older, I want you to listen particularly to this next part as you have bodies that be, uh, become more and more or less capable of what they were able to do when you're in your 20s, we win by losing when we measure ourselves not by what we have accomplished through our strength and power, but by how much we have given away our hearts to love everyone that God has made just the way God does. We win by losing. And I know it seems so contradictory, but it's what Jesus had to trust the Father to be able to do, to take him to the cross, to win by losing. 
And those who follow Jesus have to discover the same thing. And God already knows how difficult this is for any of us. We are wired to win by winning. But our loving Father knows we're bound to make some wrong terms along the way. But just like he did for Jesus, our Father in heaven will find a way to support us, surround us with his love right when we need it the most as we are trying this difficult task of choosing to follow Jesus and his example to win by losing. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all our understanding, keep our hearts and our minds focused on Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's sing.